0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by David Fletcher, Managing Director of Innovation at Hebden Bridge Mill, an organization dedicated to preserving the industrial heritage of the local area. David, hello. Hello.
1: Hello. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Thank you for coming on the program today. Uh, now, normally, we'd get straight over to the subject of leadership, but considering the ongoing COVID outbreak, let's start there. How has this affected uh, your um, organisation?
1: Uh, well, it's absolutely closed us down. Um, I've, uh, as you said, I've got a, a renovated um, 18th-century watermill, and uh, it. Pays its way in the world. It's conservation, but it's practical conservation that earns its own keep through uh, tenants in the building, and in my own case, through a cafe and um, and the shop, a gift shop. Uh, but at the moment, everything's closed, so it's affected us very, very seriously.
0: How do you see the future um, following COVID? Do you have any uh, plans on how to reopen the business?
1: Uh, Well, I do have plans. Uh, I have to say that uh, how I see going forward, I see it as being very, very difficult. Um, At the moment, of course, we are legally entitled to open both the shop and the cafe, and some of the workshops in the building are slowly coming back to life, but uh, it's, it's not easy. On the one hand, government says, well, you're open for business. On the other hand, then, there's a lot of rules and regulations. Most recently, the wearing of masks. And so uh, all these impact on the number of customers and trade. And I have to say that um, I've got 15 staff. They're all on furlough at the moment. And quite honestly, I, I can't afford to bring any of them back. I'm running the business by myself, single-handed at the moment. But uh, the footfall number of customers is is very, very thin indeed. And uh, it's not going to get any better uh, as far as I can see. For example, a cafe. How do you run a cafe when you have to halve the number of tables? Um, People in our cafe would normally go up to the counter and uh, look at the menu and order what they want. Now I've got to employ somebody to be at the door to seat people at a particular table. Uh, There's got to be a waiter or waitress service. And uh, I mean, that economically destroys the cafe, there's no point in opening it. Uh, I would simply be paying the wages instead of um, the Chancellor of the Exchequer paying them.
0: We should move on to the subject of leadership. I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you?
1: I'm I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that question.
0: What does the word leader mean to you?
1: To me, it means somebody who stands at the front and uh, rallies the troops, as it were. You know, identifies the problem clearly, crisply, and uh, and then takes the uh, the firm leadership of it. Whatever the task is, however it's been identified, this is where we're going. This is what we're going to do. Anybody got any better ideas? Any comments? Right, let's start.
0: And how would you describe your day to day leadership style?
1: Uh, well, pretty much like that. Um, you know. Uh, leadership's about uh, overcoming problems and finding the direction forward. So if the leader hasn't got a clear view of that, um, it's not going to happen in a very uh, organized way. So uh, somebody, i.e. the leader, has to put forward a strategy. And uh, if that strategy is seen as flawed by other people, well, there would have to be a discussion. But uh, it's got to be positive and, uh, uh, and it's got to be active.
0: Well, let's talk a bit about where your leadership style came from. Did you have any role models who shaped you in this way?
1: I don't think so, no. I think it just came from exasperation. You you mentioned that uh, I was a conservationist, and uh, I live in, in a small town called Haddon Bridge, which, going back many years, was in a terrible plight. It lost all its industry in, in a very short period of time. In something like a decade, most of the old textile mills in town closed down. And uh, the people who worked in them, generally speaking, they got on their bikes and went somewhere else to look for work. The population of the town declined. The standard of the environment in the town declined. We had all the uh, smoky atmosphere and dirty buildings left over from the industrial period, but we didn't have the advantage of the jobs that that created. And I became increasingly frustrated. And, um, and so I set up an organisation, um, probably in a very ham fisted way, to try and do something about it. And uh, so, in a sense, leadership was thrust upon me. Um, you know, it's all right calling a public meeting and saying, well, we've got to do something about this. The response from the people we've called to the public meeting is, well, what do you propose we do about it? And so it, it quickly became apparent that. Uh, I, I had to do uh, do the thinking and, and get as you might. And then, of course, once there was a direction that had been identified, a lot of energy went behind that direction to start achieving the objectives.
0: Well, let's talk a bit about and, the founding uh, of your organization. Um so you've now uh, come to a point where you are operating as a as a full business, but I'm sure there were uh, plenty of ups and downs along the way. If you could let us in on a little bit of that,
1: uh, yes. Well, the the uh, I mean, there've been a number of stages. I um, I said it all started from frustration and exasperation. You know, I, I took a look at the place where I lived and uh, on a beautiful summer's day and. I could see that where I live was very attractive, but it was ruined by a veneer of dirt and disorder and disillusionment, really. Everything was there. Everything starts with D, dereliction, despair. It, it was awful. And uh, I thought, well, oh, you know, this is ridiculous. Nobody's going to clear it up if we don't. It's up to this town to um, pull itself up by its own bootstraps and in, in, in local parlance. So I wrote a letter to the local paper, um, booked a a room in in a public hall and uh, invited those people that were of the same feeling as myself to come together and decide what we could do about it. Uh, I went to the meeting expecting a dozen of people. In fact, I'd booked quite a small room. When I got there, I was overwhelmed. There were about 200 people there. And to be quite honest, I didn't really know how to organize a meeting at all. But in, in need, somebody pops up, and the secretary of the golf club popped up. He knew how to run meetings. He knew all about motions and amendments and things that you take for granted nowadays. And out of that came a small committee of people. But they were looking to me. I'd, I'd stirred the pot, and, and therefore I got to pour out the, the remedy. And uh, we had a fairly ad hoc small group um, working together, voluntary work at weekends to start creating some order and getting rid of dirt and, and rubbish and so on. And that grew. And um, that's quite a long time ago. There was a reorganisation of local government. Local government got bigger. We felt that uh, you know by this time we'd got quite an organisation going with people turning out in substantial numbers to, to work on the, on the local area. And so we decided we needed something uh, a bit more powerful and more teeth. So we set up a a formal charitable trust, a company limited by guarantee and a registered charity, and and, and moved up a couple of gears. And uh, we started to take over old buildings ourselves. In particular, initially, we took over a former Baptist church, which was um, uh, derelict and threatened with demolition. And so that organization grew quite rapidly and has has become quite a a notable um, uh, force in in, in the land, in in the part where we are. Um, It's called Pennine Heritage. Uh, We developed a number of uh, teams from there, a building restoration team, and uh, we started being much more successful in, in raising serious money. And uh, you know, since I set Pennine Heritage up, I think we've raised about six million pounds for various projects and we've had lots and lots of practical help on the way. And we've completely restored, for example, a five story mill, which initially was a um a, a historic building, it's now a listed building. We got it listed to prevent demolition. The local authority were proposing demolition. We got a listing on it. And then uh, went to them and uh, apologised for uh, creating a problem for them um, in in, uh, preventing the demolition because it was now listed. But then um, I said to them, "Well, uh, we're quite happy to solve the problem. Um, Just give us the building, and uh, you won't even have the cost of demolition." And uh, after some debate, that's what we did. And uh, and then we uh, we got funds um, uh, from various. um, trusts and, uh, well, across the board, local government, central government, the, the EU uh, funds. And um, we got a team of uh, people working in there, mostly unemployed people under the supervision of a, a couple of retired builders. And, and we successfully put that building back into use instead of it being demolished because mm-hmm. it was considered to be redundant. And, and that's a sort of model for that, the, the progress that, that we've made. Um, that building initially, we set it up as a sort of industrial nursery, trying to get small firms to establish there, and, and that worked quite well for a while. But um, in that sort of situation, some of the small firms succeed, and then they want to move to uh, bigger accommodation, and some, quite a lot, just to die by the wayside. But we'd got one firm in there, and every time an extra space became available, they said, can we have that as well? And so that building is now occupied by um, one company. It employs about 200 people in uh, in high-tech production of um, sound mixing software. And uh, it's, you know, a major force in the the town. So we achieved two objects. We saved the historic building and we created employment. And in two ways, we are helping the town back onto its feet. Now that's been replicated a, a number of times. The building that, um, that I now, personally, I'd actually bought a, a little while before that, um, because again, this was uh, an old corn mill, water-powered corn mill, um, built originally in 1314. And again, it was on the demolition list. Um, this was two or three years before I actually set up Benign Heritage. Uh, at the time, we still had that little ad hoc voluntary group. And I put it to the ad hoc voluntary group that um, we should acquire this 1314 um, Mountain Mill because it was it's the centrepiece of the town. And they were extremely worried about it. You know, as, a, as a, a small ad hoc group with no particular constitution, working voluntarily at weekends, a lot of them were afraid of the financial consequences. Of uh, of taking on an actual building, so that's where leadership comes in. Mm. Well, uh, I said to, I said to them, really, well, you know, blow that. Um, I'll buy it. So I negotiated with the uh, the owner, who was uh, a former textile um, uh, producer, and he said, look, you know, you're you're a cheeky conservationist here. You come in here telling me what to do with my building. I've had enough textile to be shot at. I'm retiring, I'm going to live in Scotland, and the building to me is just an embarrassment and a nuisance, and I just want rid of it. And uh, eventually, we turned him around and he said to me, well, if you're silly enough to want to buy it, I've got a demolition contractor who wants to buy it, he wants to buy the stone. Uh, You want to buy the stone, but you want to keep them standing. Um, You can have it at the literally knockdown price. So there I was, and I couldn't turn that challenge down because everything I stood for was about saving the place. So I borrowed the money personally in my own name, and um, it took about uh, attempting to renovate the building. I, I I worked on it five years, every Saturday, every Sunday, about 10 hours to uh, on, on a DIY um, system um, and until I could get three tenants in one end of the building. Then I went to the bank, borrowed some more money, and got the whole building weatherproof and got tenants in. And and I've gone on improving it. I've I've restored the Mm. water wheel. I've I've put in a a, a, a screw hydropower generator in the river. I've uh, fitted the building out with heat pumps. And so I've got one of the few businesses in, in Britain now, I think, which is... Uh, not just carbon neutral, it's carbon negative. And in a way, that's what I mean about leadership. I've got uh, posters on the walls in there. The public can come in, have a cup of coffee, read the posters, and I'm trying to sell the idea of um, renewable energy. Um, fire, uh, heat pumps, water power, or whatever. I, uh, I actually export electricity to the grid because my uh, generator in the river is generating more than I actually need. Fabulous. So, uh, you know, it, it can be done. So I, uh, leadership, I believe in leadership by example, by action.
0: Well, unfortunately, our time together has run out. Um, but before I let you go, just very quickly, what does the next 12 months have in store for Hebden Bridge Mill?
1: Uh, I think a very a very slow recovery. Um, it, it's not easy as a small businessman, as I found. I mean, I, I never set out in life to be uh, a small businessman, or certainly didn't set out to be a shopkeeper. But I've got the experience now, and it's a lot harder than most people who don't do it think. And it's going to be a long road to economic viability for most of the shops in, in our little town. Um, even the big stores, uh, you know, uh, well, one can tell by the the, the news. Um, They're closing stores. They uh, are, in many cases, going into liquidation. It's going to be a very, very tough time. As I say, I've got 15 staff to run different aspects of, of, of my business now. Um, at the moment, it would be impossible for me to pay them. The furlough has been a terrific boost. It's taken a huge load off Brilliant. my shoulders. But But, getting back to normality and getting fifteen people off the furlough, uh, you know I've got to find um, five figures of every month to pay more they're not all They're not all full time by any means, uh, there's quite a lot of part time working there, but they they all need a job now it's my intention to keep them in work, but at the moment, I'm trying to do all the jobs that they would have done because I can't afford them to come
0: mm. back if I have to pay for myself. Well, I do so wish you the best it, of it, luck in the, yeah. in the coming year, and I do hope that we can have you back on uh, when things get back to normal. But for now, David, thank you.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: That was David Fletcher, Managing Director of Innovation at Hebden Bridge Mill. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is my exclusive interview with our chairman, Lord Blunkett. Lord Blunkett, welcome.